Julius, too, stalks through the hallway, brushing a hand against the uneven, organic walls. If they're thinking anything, that flat, featureless mask conceals it perfectly. They round the corner into a brightly lit room full of monitors and, saying nothing, settle into a chair in front of a keyboard. Their gloved hands hover over the device without moving. Julius, too, looks up at the wall, where a collection of crystalline pendants are waiting, and at the gap where one of them has been taken. Evening rounds the corner into night, and the sound of the angel warning sirens fades into nothing. The docks are empty, and the little remaining light glitters off the fragments of an angel annihilated by the Damocles cannon. Mia and Lin Lin stand in the dim docks, victorious after a fashion. Balthazar rests on the ground under Flannery's kind protection. Ollie is watching the car. The fight is over. There's a briefcase lying on the ground, plain black and glossy under the streetlights that are flickering on one by one. Leanlin is just eyeing the briefcase. Mia's going to look around for CCTV in the area and make sure that there isn't any like very obvious city surveillance here at the docks as she picks up the briefcase. Not here. There's some street lamps kind of further down that you can see the domes of surveillance cameras on. But this chunk of the docks, you seem pretty clear. Cool. Gonna pop the latches and take a look at the contents. All right. I have a very, very important question for Lin Lin. Yes. (laughs) You looking at the papers? Absolutely, unless it seems like Mia's gonna put her body in the way to shield it. All right. There are what look like lab reports. They imply a couple things that the Kingston Penitentiary was the site of a secret heretical research lab under the jurisdiction of the CAF. According to a couple of the documents, the purpose of the lab may have been the creation of the Nephilim. There are references to Julius II and Alexander VI. The lab also has sensor data and seismic data implying the existence of a creature it has codenamed Behemoth an enormous angel signature waiting underground near Detroit. And you said they're CAF documents, they're not hell documents? Most of these are CAF documents, yeah. Okay. Yeah, Mia's just kind of like flipping through them. I think given her station, she's pretty good at reading, um, finding the essential information in official documents, since I'm sure there's a lot of just jargon burying the important info. And she's just skimming through it, looking for those like most important pieces. And there's just like a soft, oh, fuck. They do not paint a very pretty picture, but they do answer a question you may have had. What exactly was it Astaroth team perished for, given that they were the ones you replaced in the defense of the Kingston Penitentiary on the day of the Kingston incident? I think Mia is now going to become self-aware and notice Linlin reading 
around under her shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> Young. Yes. This is going to stay with us for now. Don't say anything to anyone unless you talk to me first. Not even the rest of the team? And Mia looks at Flannery and Balthazar. They're far enough away that they have no way of gaining this information because Flannery did evacuate. It's okay. It's okay. You'll be okay. Just breathe. Breathe with me. Follow, follow my rhythm. Follow my rhythm. In. Out. In. Out. <laughs> Gonna be okay. After taking a glance at them, Mia turns back to Linlin. My focus has been on your development, but they're your peers. You know them personally better than I do, so, Young? Yes. I will leave that decision in your hands. For now, we should get Baker back to headquarters as soon as possible, and you can decide if you want to have that conversation with them. But I would strongly encourage you if you choose to do so. The same thing. No one within Hell, and especially no one within the CAF, learns anything about the contents of this until I've had some conversations behind some important closed doors. And do we know if all of this is even real? I find it unlikely that an angel is going to falsify CAF documents. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And Mia packs everything back up into the briefcase. And... I presume everyone gets loaded back up into the car and heads on back to Hell's main base. I think Leland is going to sit into the front this time just because that way the other two can like be in the back with the dog. Yeah, how's Baby doing with the big fluffy dog back there? <laughs> Baby is like curled up next to you. It's just like hand deep in the fur and like just slowly opening and clenching at the fur, face buried in it so that they don't have to look anyone in the eye. Mm -hmm. I don't think that they're in the panic attack anymore, but they're definitely still not in a good space. The dog sitter gave Ollie a grooming so he smells like cotton candy. Wonderful. (laughs) What a perfect dog. Ollie, true to his word, has watched the car. Yep. Yep. Good dog. Thanks, Ollie. When you all arrive at base, this is a presumption on my part, but Mia has some conversations to hold. Oh, yes. And the rest of you are informed that your food is waiting for you at the mess hall. From the restaurant? Yeah. (laughs) At a comedically (laughs) appropriate time, you hear a big old stomach grumble from Flannery's tummy. (laughs) Balthazar goes back to their room without dinner. No! Oh, no! What about all your... <laughs> so much food! Yeah, what about all your food? <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Maybe that's a scene. Who knows? Maybe that is a scene. <laughs> I have a couple that I'd like to very, very quickly and aggressively pepper in here before I turn the wheel over to you. One of them is, as Lin Lin and Flannery, I assume, are eating in the mess hall. Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely. Like, 
it's obviously a little awkward, but mm-hmm. what's Flannery going to do? Not eat all this delicious seafood? Yeah. And then you hear a loud squeaking noise coming from behind you as you're eating. <laughs> and just like turning around is just like hair is like standing up as she looks over. You see Olivia. Oh. In a old beat up wheelchair. Hey. <laughs> Hi. Oh. Oh, Olivia, hey. Flannery, too. I uh, wanted to give you this back. She opens up her hand and the good luck charm that you left with her is in there. Right. Uh, thanks. Uh, when looking at the good luck charm, it seems to just be a little red slip given on like New Year's and inside it just says heroes always win. Aww. And Aww. She'll take that back and like put it in her pocket. It's like, see? You did it, right? So yeah. I'm happy to see you here. The uh, the hospital staff said you were the one who made sure I got out safe. So uh, thanks for that. Um, of course. I. That's, you know, I. we just want to make sure everybody's safe. It's kind of the mantra or rule we're trying to go by right now. Yeah. Yeah. I am... Um, not going to be in the field anytime soon. Yeah. Uh, Doc says I may not be walking anytime soon, but we're going to work on it. I mean, there's a lot you can do without walking, right? Yep. Like, mm-hmm. there's, I don't know, I, I've seen Lieutenant Mia do a lot of paperwork. Not the most fun, but I'm <laughs> sure that can be practiced or helped with. Uh, research, there's a lot of um, heretical science that I've been wanting to learn for a while. So if you learn anything about that, hit me up. Um, oh, yeah. And absolutely. There's there's tons of even physical stuff that you can do without, like, being able to walk. <laughs> like, have you have you seen people in, like, wheelchair sports? They're, they're incredible. Oh, I watched wheelchair basketball one time. Yeah. Oh, you're right. I hadn't even thought of that. All right. I'm not getting off the court anytime soon either. Perfect. <laughs> and she, like, clenches her fists. Yeah. Maybe I'll talk to Dr. Fusk about doing a conversion and just getting a, a hymnal unit that's a wheelchair with lasers on it. <laughs> that would be amazing. Do you think Dr. Fusk would do that? Oh, I don't see why not. Absolutely. Yeah. Hey, I, I, I'm, I've got to get back to, I've got physio soon, but I heard you were in the mess hall and I wanted to, to come say thanks. Yeah, thank you. I, I'm happy to see you here. Uh, if you wanted a bite, we have way too much right now. Oh, yeah. No? Do, you want, do you want, like, some bisque or, or like, a sandwich or something? Uh, I probably shouldn't do physio on an empty stomach. You know what? I'll, I'll take you up on that. Thanks. All right. No, thank you. This is too much. <laughs> yeah. And so the three of you enjoy cold leftover Cajun food. <laughs> Still good. It's not that is leftover. There, is there no microwave nearby? <laughs> a microwave. You, know, you could have asked the kitchen staff to microwave it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And I presume Mia's got to be having some conversations. Yes. Mia has a little bit of um, personal business to take care of first. So one, she's going to use the fact that she needs to request someone to retrieve her motorcycle as an excuse to get out of the base for a couple minutes and go to a corner store and buy a burner phone and take pictures of all the documents, take the SD card out of the burner phone and trash it. And then she is going to take the little SD card and hide it on the interior of Ollie's collar. 
All right. Mm-hmm. Ollie can be trusted. <laughs> and then she is going to, um, I'm not going to role play with myself, but she is going to go speak to Commander McKay and basically hand deliver the documents and tell the commander literally everything that happened and inform McKay that Mia is aware of the contents of the briefcase. And as they are not hell documents, they are CAF documents. It's not a breach of any like internal information security for hell specifically, Yep. but does reinforce to McKay that none of the kids know what was in the briefcase. So very briefly, there is a meeting of the heads of hell, kind of. Commander McKay is present. There is a monitor nearby that is alight with the presence of the intelligence director, who is, of course, never one to be there physically. Dr. Fusk is present. And so are the support staff. The main thrust of it is, this is new information. It was requested that a team be sent to guard Kingston Penitentiary, and that request seemed odd at the time. So did a lot of the data coming out of that. The strange scanner anomaly that wasn't picking up civilians inside the building. The burst of condemnation later in the fight. The light streaking away. These documents explain a lot. I think Dr. Fusk is currently just like going through some of the research notes that are in here about like the projects and such that they were working on and is kind of loudly talking to himself. This is fascinating. What is, what is it like going, like going through like the theoretical like science of it and just like, is that possible? I guess if you did this and did the, huh? And like just talking out loud while reading through it. <laughs> Yeah, I think you get some murmurs of agreement over from the support staff side. In particular, one of the support staff members, Ada, is studiously going over the documents in front of her and is saying like, yes, yes, uh, we've been looking into this data since since we got this. And uh, there's a lot of interesting things that we've been able to put together so far, but there's still so much unknown. I'm really looking forward to studying this even further. Meanwhile, with this, the monitor with intelligence director bb it appears to be a screensaver onto the monitor right now but the screensaver is just rotating between different pieces of the documents and it looks like some parts were digitally highlighted or underlined for key points to point out and then they can just hear a slightly synthetic voice just going over it just like the rest of them are okay i don't like the ramifications of that or that that should be quite disquieting um, this could be a fun toy later if it works out. Interesting. And there just seems to be like muttering that seems to be kind of independent from the others. After letting everyone kind of go on for a few minutes, McKay finally clears her throat. <clears throat> Support team. I would like an effort made to verify the reports of this possible large angel in or around the Detroit area. I'd like on-foot survey teams sent there as soon as possible to collect additional information to verify that this is in fact true. BB, if you can quietly find your way into some of the CAF's more protected information, I would appreciate the effort. 
I'll be reaching out to them personally to ask for some clarification about exactly what happened at Kingston. I can definitely do that. They have not been the most ecstatic for sharing a lot of the information to this case here. But I can definitely dig. Yeah, we've certainly wanted to focus on the behemoth data in particular, that's for sure. We have seen a lot of that activity near Detroit, but the interesting thing is, we've seen it in a few other places as well. It looks like it moves sometimes. We're hoping we can figure out more of the tracking data for that. Luckily, it is U.S. property, so it should be easier for us to dig around our own home base. And Dr. Fusk, given what we've seen in recent engagements and what's written in these documents, do you think we can believe it all to be true that the CAF actually managed to create these things? I think there's a bit where after like a couple of moments, you realize he did not hear a word you were saying because he's still talking to himself. She gives it like a beat. Fusk. Oh, uh, <clears throat> ah, sorry, excuse me. Yes. <laughs> uh, is it possible? Uh, uh, well, in a matter of speaking, uh, yes. Uh, just looking through some of these notes and if these numbers are correct, it, not only is it possible, they did in fact succeed, but uh, without actually having seen any of the equipment or uh, any of these techniques, if <laughs> we dare even call them that, uh, it's hard for me to even say. Uh, theoretically, it all works. It's more of, well, the practice of it. Understood. I'm certain there are some of you among us here who may in fact have contacts within the CAF. I would ask that you keep this information strictly within this room for the moment. I'll be reaching out to the CAF personally to discuss matters and determining whether or not I actually want to share. Ada gives a, a wry smile over to one of her support staff co-workers, Haas Thimbledown, and says, You got that, Haas? No run in your mouth about any of this, right? Mm-hmm. And raises her eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> now, Ada, I don't, I don't know what you're, you're talking about. I don't ever run my mouth about anything. I keep it strictly professional, above board. I don't, I don't share nothing with nobody that I ain't supposed to, and that is the truth. And mm-hmm. tips his hat. Mm-hmm. Elena is gesturing at the hat, just like you're not supposed to. The hat, you're not supposed to. Commander's gonna. Like. McKay just like passes a glance across the room and clears her throat and Haas takes the hat off and sets it on his lap. <laughs> mm, so so it wasn't you that I heard talking in the hallways about the surprise party that we were planning for the commander the other month. Well, Elena looks away. Uh, Ada, you, you just, you just, you just spoiled it. Now look who's running their mouth. Hmm? She already knew because someone had already been gabbing about it. I think this kind of like just fades off into like petty squabbling in the background. <laughs> yeah. As Haas is shifting his weight in his seat, you can hear the sound of his spurs clicking against the floor. <laughs> Within the laptop that shows like um, BB's screen, there is like a telescopic lens that is like actually zooming in and rotating between this like discussion between these two. So you just hear the small whirring as it like goes left and right. He's just focused on this way too hard in this conversation. <laughs> so my new question, my my next question, the next time is, 
Heather, your thoughts, your feelings. I'm thinking that we might do a scene of someone trying to bring baby food. Who that is, I'll leave up to you all. I would like both Flannery and Lynn Lynn to do it. I think that works. Yeah, I think they would probably finish up with their food and be still worried about baby. It would make sense. Yeah, Olivia says she's got to go to physio and waves and wheels off in... Honestly, they need to get her a better chair. This thing's so loud, but she's doing okay. As they're carrying over, Lena's just looking over at Flannery's like, do you think baby has a microwave in the room? I honestly, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if they strike me as the type. Yeah. Have you been in baby's room? No. I guess now that you mention it, I, I haven't. I, don't, I haven't been to either of your rooms. That's kind of why I wanted to have dinner with you, because I feel like I don't really see y'all outside of the training sessions. I wanted to get to know you better. That'd be really nice, actually. Yeah. And then she's just looking at the black card that was left over. Like, I can't believe they just left this over here. I just can't imagine that. That's If I had a card stolen, that would just be life over, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I suppose. Is baby like royalty? <laughs> King baby. King baby. <laughs> King baby. There's just a little thought balloon above her head that is just like baby in a little like cartoon crown. Aww. <laughs> little chibi it's baby. Like a, yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> Has like the stereotypical like uh, red cape with yeah. like the <laughs> with the white trim. Just imagining, like, top of a CEO, their boss baby. Oh, God. <laughs> Leland, instead of, like, royalty, is just imagining, like, picture of baby, but in the tux as usual, and just, like, standing on top of a skyscraper as a CEO of an unnamed company. <laughs> Flannery and Linlin definitely see, as they come down the hallway, Mia standing outside Balthazar's room, attempting to work up the nerve to knock and then deciding against it and turning to walk away. Hey, um, Lieutenant Tally, hey. Oh, um, uh, Fontaine, Young? We were just gonna drop off some food for baby and and check on them. Did you want to check in with us or? It kind of looked like you were gonna, but Um, it's okay if not, I guess. Um, no, it's fine. I, I, I'm glad that you two are keeping an eye on them. Um, take care of, of them. I'll check back in with all of you again uh, tomorrow. Yeah. All right. Okay. Sure. Yeah. No, it's been a lot. So you rest up. You you deserve it. You know. Mia like tilts her head and like narrows her eyes. Thank you, Fontaine. Um, do tell Baker. I don't know. Tell them whatever you think would be best. I'm not really good at this. Okay. Anyways, um, I have paperwork to do. This is uncomfortable. <clears throat> okay. Have a wonderful mm-hmm. evening. Um, uh, the sure. Three yeah. of you. Too. Yeah. Oh, take care. And she's like rubbing the bridge of her nose and like embarrassment and discomfort. Yeah, and then she she just leaves. As soon as there's like a corner separating them, Lena's just gonna whisper over to Flannery's like, today has just changed everything I've known about Mia. I'm still like kind of confused. Like, did I say something wrong there? Like, she does deserve a 
a break. She does a lot of work. Yeah, she does deserve a break. She's been good. Also, can we talk about everything we saw like earlier today? Like what was up with that? <laughs> I don't even know where to start with any of that. Like, do you want to talk about it? And she shakes her head towards baby's door. Yeah, I can wait. Let's go. I, I want to include baby. All right. Well, here we go then. Uh, and Flannery will knock on uh, Balthazar's door. I'm imagining that like the door slides open with a nice, clean, mechanical whir. We've never talked about what these rooms look like, but I'm just imagining like a small dorm room type deal. And uh, it is a bit of a mess in here at the moment. All of the drawers of like any like kind of dresser or anything that's in here is like open and they're like clothes kind of like half out of it. You see folders with uh, sheet music half stuffed into a backpack. And uh, you see Baby standing over their bed with uh, a duffel bag open and they are packing. Hey, Baby. Oh, oh, you're. Oh, um. Are you going on a trip? Something like that, I guess. Uh, Baby does not look either of you in the eye, barely turns around to look at you, like does like the initial turnaround seeing that someone's come in, but as like soon as they clock that it's the two of you, like turns back, hunches over a little bit and they've stopped packing, but it's just like holding, I imagine like a folded pair of jeans in their hands. Hey, are, I know this sounds like a stupid question, but are you okay? I... No. No, I'm not okay. I'm going home and, like, stuff the jeans into the duffel bag, picking up some more clothes to put in as well. Are you sure? You're, you're part of this gang. You've done so much training for here. I don't want to be here. I never wanted... To. I'm just... I... I don't want to be here anymore. Why did you want to be here in the first place then? Because, I don't know, people told me to. Who's people? No, everyone. My friends, my parents. Hell. It seemed like the right thing to do, but I'm not cut out for this. Well, that part I can disagree with because I think you do like pretty darn well out there. I almost died. If it wasn't for the two of you, I would have... That Nephilim would have gotten me. Just about dead. You were there for us before, so it's only fair and we're going to continue helping out. If you'd let us. I'd only slow you down. Are you, are you kidding? I've, I've seen how fast you move out there. I'm not literally, but I did not want to do this. And the only thing that was keeping me around was, I don't know, this sense of maybe there is good I can do. Maybe I can help, but I don't know. Even on our first mission, I just, at the first sign of danger, 
I froze and I did it again today and I was almost it. And then even after that, I wasn't able to do anything. And if that's going to keep happening, there, there's going to come a day that you all won't be able to save me. And I guess I'd rather quit before that happens. Commander Mio was right. I'm not ready for this. I hate to interrupt, but there is a ping on your phone. I don't know if you're paying attention to it or if you have the ringer on, but... Yeah, sure, it rings. I haven't turned it on to silent since the last time, and we... Yeah, it's not a call, it's just a text message. Okay. It's a self-recorded, like, piano-like kind of sting that someone else has recorded. Okay. I guess Baby takes, like, a quick, like, look at who it's from. It's from Susie. It just reads, Holy shit, are you okay? I heard angel sirens. I don't answer it. At least not right now. I guess as much as I would miss you, like, I can't force you to stay. Like, (laughs) it's kind of wild that any of us are here right now. Um, Yeah, why are we? Yeah, I get it. Like, maybe I don't fully get it. Like, there's a lot of stuff I don't get. Are the two of you just okay with it? of, Of course. We're like helping people and we're like doing things that other people can't do so I'm gonna do it and I wanna do it um enough anyway it's not like this is my like dream thing that I wanna do but I'm kinda doing it so that I can do the dream thing that I wanna do what what is the dream thing that's okay to risk your life for (laughs) To do the, the only thing I'm I'm kind of good at, you know, like uh, athletics, gymnastics. Like I'm not good at much in this world, but I'm I'm pretty good at that. And I don't know what I'd do if there if I can't do that. And this seems the best way to make sure that I can. What? Then why? Don't... I get it. Money. All right. Fair. I guess. So are both of you planning on leaving when you can then? Yeah, once the required amount of service is done, yeah, that's the plan. I'll get my scholarship and that'll be me. And baby, do you really want to leave right now? I don't see why I shouldn't. I like having you here, but that's what I was thinking. Well, if you're really going, um, can we have one more meal with you? Yeah. I don't see why not. Also, if you're leaving, you should probably take this, and she's going to give the card. Oh. I forgot about that. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like an important thing to forget. (laughs) My parents gave it to me to use for any expenses I needed while I was on base. That's nice of them? It's just another way for them to keep an eye on what I'm doing. Here, why don't, why don't you sit down? We'll, we'll get some we'll get some food in your belly. Here. Um, and Flannery's gonna start um, setting up the 
<laughs> the the containers of food wherever she can in the mess. Um, this is about the same level of mess as her own room, so this is like familiar territory for yeah. her. <laughs> I think Baby looks around and like moves the side table, uh, like has to. I think um, their trumpet case is like on top of it, and like as well as like a bunch of other like cleaning stuff. So they take that and like kind of toss it on the bed. Sorry, I don't have any. I, I get the one extra chair, I guess. Um, it's not a lot of seating in these rooms, I guess. Oh, fancy. Yeah, well, uh, I guess you can sit on the bed if you would like, and then realizes they've just thrown a bunch of stuff on the bed. <laughs> and goes, oh, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry. Sorry, I, I did I sit on anything? Um, oh, and she dubs, shuffles some clothes out from underneath. Like, uh, no, it's fine. Is it a nice dinner? It's a cold one. Yeah. Yeah. I think Baby does have a microwave in here. I think <laughs> I think I think Baby's dorm room is stocked up like the child of a rich parent. Uh it's dorm room where they were like, Oh, you're gonna need a microwave, you're gonna need a mini fridge. Uh, you're gonna need like the desk no. isn't the stock like desk. It is like a desk that <laughs> their parents bought and had moved into the barracks. Oh, <laughs> like a nice sit stand desk. Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> and still one chair. Oh baby. I think as they're eating, Flannery will notice the trumpet and whatnot in wherever they are and say, "Yeah, I, I haven't gotten to hear you." play very much. I know you do, but like, I've been kind of curious to like, hear more of it. Oh. Um. Yeah, I don't see why not. Guess this is my last chance for that. Yeah. So. One last little serenade. For sure. Go for it. Uh, and uh, we'll go Oh, pop open the trumpet case, take a long look at it. We'll take it out, start putting it together. And we'll turn around and ask, is there anything specific you'd want to hear or? Uh, music? <laughs> hmm. Okay. And they start playing, uh, their, <laughs> I know exactly what's, they start playing this song that is their regretful song, which oh. is uh, The Thrill Is Gone <laughs> by Chet Baker. Um, <laughs> and like, just, just like a, uh, like a solo trumpet rendition of that song. And it's slow, it's sad <laughs> and mournful. And yeah, I think it plays, uh, I don't know if we ever closed the door, so I think it's just like kind of melancholically <laughs> echoing through oh. the halls of the barracks. I think there's maybe like a slow like camera like looking through the door at like the three kids, one of them like sitting down in a chair, one of them sitting on the bed. I think Leland's like sitting on top of like a stack of clothes or something. <laughs> yeah. And like the slow pull out from the POV of the door and then just like down the hall as the music like still echoes. <laughs> oh, here's the question. Is Mia still close enough that she can hear it? I think Mia's 
down the hall to just faintly pick it up and just kind of looks in the direction of the sound and sighs. And true to their word, Balthazar Baker leaves the base. And where are they headed? Home? Yeah. Actually, probably not straight home, just because that's a conversation, right? Yeah. Instead of getting like an Uber or like something to take them to the docks and then the boat home, they probably just walk. Okay. You do get a follow-up text. It says, I'm limping over there. Brackets. <laughs> Just kidding. Don't panic. <laughs> Another text. Brackets. Not kidding. End brackets. I call. I call her. <laughs> Are you okay? Hey, yeah, I'm... I, I'm alive. Yeah, so no, huh? Yeah, no. Yeah. I, I think I'm gonna stop doing this. Okay. Good. You're the first person to respond like that. I lost a lot of folk. I was almost one of them. Like I told you before, this whole thing is bullshit. Not fair that they expect us to do it. It's really not. And I think for like the first time, Balthasar like actually starts tearing up. Hmm. Hey, where are you? If you don't have anywhere to go right away, how about showing me around the city, huh? You promised. Yeah, I can do that. Um, uh, we could, um, yeah, yeah, uh, I'm not terribly far from the base. I'm just kind of hoofing it. Uh, My hotel's a ways away. It's not far from the docks. That's why I could hear the angel sirens. Oh, uh, yeah, then um, I can, yeah, I'll meet you there. Uh, send me a pin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, she does. And yep. I mean, you know the city, you know this hotel. Yeah. It's a pretty nice one, but she's probably staying on the government's dime. As she should. Mm-hmm. She's waiting in the lobby, kind of chatting with security when you walk up. Mm-hmm. And she gives them a wave and crutches on over. Yeah. I mean, it's a little bit late, but... Yeah. There are worse places to be, right? Oh, for sure. Absolutely. And, like, kind of just looks, has all of their things on them. Uh, like, uh, multiple duffel bags and, like, holding yeah. the trophy You wanna... Case. Look, I'm not trying anything. But you want to stash your stuff at the hotel? That actually would be really good. Yeah. I, uh, I can't help you with it. Uh, sorry. Yeah, no, I can just... No, if, I... Yeah. 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 And we get baby's stuff stashed, and we start on a tour of the city. It is the middle of the night. Hmm. Some good night scenes. 
Well, I know a place that's really exciting at night and full of exciting and interesting things that happen. Oh, really? Yeah. I figure at some point, the two of you are walking past one of the power stations. Maybe it's part of the tour, probably not, but it's part of the scenery you end up walking past. And that's mostly because it's time for Cat to unleash uh, their monstrous deeds. Oh. So as you're walking past the power station, you see an eerie white gold light from the roof. There's a figure standing there. They're hard to make out due to the light, but um, they do have a giant fuck-off sword. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh, um, the rest of the party is alerted that their presence is required at the power station. But that's not what I'm worried about right now. We're going to have a turn just you and me first. Oh, oh <laughs> yay. <laughs> have fun. <laughs> Question, does Balthasar still have their hymnal? Did Hell confiscate that? Uh, did you, like, formally inform Hell of your resignation, or did you just dip? Ah, that's a good question. I probably should tell some. <laughs> I guess I should talk them. Something I was going to say was that I think Hell probably keeps tabs on the kids. Oh, yeah. Remember last episode when you all got a call saying you were the ones closest to the docks? Oh, Where'd yeah, they get that information? Hmm. Yeah, I guess it's fair. I thought so. <laughs> How'd they figure that out? Yeah, oh yeah, no, they know where they know where baby are. Yeah, I think I like the narrative of baby having left, but like not like in like a ha, I'm running away, but also left in like, oh, I forgot that I still have this and I should probably turn it in kind of deal. Yeah. But the figure on top of the roof raises their enormous sword to the sky and there is what looks like a bolt of lightning driven into the power station and electricity starts arcing everywhere. Well, we're not going this way. Um, should we tell someone about this? I think your phone starts ringing and she's like, sounds like they know. I look at the, what's the caller ID say? I don't know if you have a custom caller ID for the brass, but... It just says them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's them. They're calling. <laughs> Ugh, they're calling. Wait. Wait, hold up. What? Hold up, that's not a... That's not an angel. What? Look at it. The figure does not, in fact, resemble an angel. It looks more like a Nephilim. It has a human shape. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't really look like a Nephilim either. It's armored. Looks vaguely mechanical. It looks like a hymnal. Piloting itself? Hard to tell from here. Oh, no. Has it spotted us yet? It seems occupied wrecking up the power station. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. I turn to Susie and say, we should get out of here. We should definitely not be here. Yeah, no, we should not. I hope they're going to be okay. All right. I'm going to hide. Yeah, run and hide is the the current move. Let's hide. 
Let's hide behind this power station building. Yeah. Then, our heroes arrive. This doesn't have to be any difference in, like, turns, since Mia was already out looking for Baby prior to the report coming through. I think she would arrive just a few seconds prior to the other two, and they can get dropped in on their own, because... I'm sure headquarters would know that Mia was already en route. Oh, yeah. On her motorcycle in casual clothes. And I think she just comes fucking tearing down the street towards the power station and definitely does do an Akira slide. Yeah. Baker. Lieutenant. Mia just like hops off and immediately runs over to the two of them. What are the two of you doing here? This is... Shit, dangerous, like looking up at the, the arcing electricity in the air. Shit. We were just out for a walk. We All right, fine. Whatever you're doing, I don't actually care. Let's just get you out of here. And gesturing to the young lady, like, all right, we need to move you out of the way as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. Baker, what are you doing? Uh, I don't... Um, I need you to decide right now if you're a civilian or you're here to help. If you're a civilian, then get out of the way, take her and go. Okay. And we'll, uh, I was going to say grab her hand and then start going, but then realize that that's not going to work. Yeah, she's on crutches. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we'll just like (laughs) move in a way that shows that I am moving with her. And then I think just over the shoulder, Mia takes like one last chance. If you have any interest in staying and helping, I will gladly accept it. But if you're done, we can take care of that once all of this is finished. I won't ask again after this. You can do this and your help is sorely needed and appreciated, but I am not going to force you. No one is going to force you. I will not let you die. I will not let anything happen to you or Fontaine or Yang at all. Over my dead fucking body, I will not let that happen. Can you assure that? That none of us will ever get hurt again? Baker, I watch. Can you assure it 100% and say that none of us will ever get hurt or die on the battlefield. If that's what it'll take, then no, I can't. But I'll do everything I can. There's a helicopter overhead. It drops Flannery and Lin-Lin. Well, I hope it's good enough for them. And we'll turn and keep moving with Susie. All right, so. How familiar is everyone with the people around hell? Mm, decently. Flannery's tried to say hi to just about everybody, at least. About the same for Lin-Lin. She's pretty friendly. So this hymnal is Arcana 16, one of the hymnal units used by Paimon team, wielded by one Catherine Whitley. Flannery, I think, is the one to notice that Whitley was quite tall, but this hymnal is your height, Flannery. Yeah, I think it takes her a sec to realize in that case um, that it's familiar, like... Wait, wait, no, the, that's that's Catherine's suit. What the... What? Who's... Jumps off the roof, sword first, 
breaking the landing on a nearby car. Electricity arcing everywhere. The sword is a massive white gold Zweihander. Who, who the hell are you? Why do you have Catherine's suit? Your sensors can pick up a vague musical humming from within it. So everybody gets to take their turn first. All right. Mia's going to get in with the rest of the kids since the conversation with Balthazar has reached its conclusion and she's not going to fret over it anymore. There's a problem at hand, so she's going to activate her hymnal and split the uprights between Flannery and Linlin and just kind of pull right between and slightly in front of them. And in doing so, drops her club on the pavement and starts dragging it behind her as she walks between the two of them. All right, I'm only going to actually give you one opportunity to decide if you want to fight or not. If you have any interest in not pursuing hostilities, I'll give you this chance to retreat or surrender. And then stops and just plants the head of the club against the ground. I think the figure wordlessly raises that Zweihander to point it at the three of you. All right, fine. I'm tired of losing to all of you anyways. Fight they want, the fight they'll get. Yeah. Fight time. You are at the entrance to the power station. The main power station itself, severely scarred and arcing with electricity, is behind the figure of Arcana 16. To your right, there are a series of turbines that are connected to the wind power that operates a lot of Solomon City. There are cars nearby. Evidently, the power plant is staffed at this time of night. It's nearly dawn. Young, can I trust you to handle evacuation for the first few moments while Fontaine and I keep this one away from any civilians? (sighs) Very well, yeah, I can do that. All right. Flannery, ready to take some hits? You know it. And she punches her palm. Trusting that Flannery and Mia are the sturdier two, Mia's just going to run in, hope to try and keep this thing occupied long enough for any civilians to be evacuated, and then it'll hopefully be three against one. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I assume you're closing the distance into close range, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I think Flannery's going to follow pretty close behind here and try to circle around behind to cut off whatever exit the thing might try to use. Yeah, also close range, or are you stopping it, like, outside arm's reach? Yeah, I'll, I'll go close range. I'm larger than both of you. I'll obscure their view just by presence alone. You can use that to keep out of view. And, yeah, just uses, like, her body to lock the view of Flannery behind her as she approaches and closes the gap. Just to check who needs to be evacuated right now. Right now, any civilians are inside the building. The angel alarm has started going off and an automated voice is urging everyone to proceed calmly to shelter. Then I think she's gonna like dash through the woods and then like go in through if there's like any window or anything like that. So she can just like not gain as much attention by going like as directly in the path. Okay. And through the window, she's just going to immediately like scanners on, hope they work and immediately just like on an absolute mission with just speed and force, just try to evacuate everybody and just carry them if she needs to. You find some people who are trapped under some rubble that was knocked into the power station when Arcana 16 made its attack. 
and you can like haul people out from underneath pieces of the ceiling, get them on their way to the angel shelter. Yeah, I think like an absolute monster. She is just like getting the chance to just jet using her suit whenever she can, just to make sure everything is just lifted and tossed aside. Oh yeah. Or carried. It's almost a little bit aggressive, but she's just trying to get this over with. She is like really tired of <laughs> sitting it out or being commanded to sit it out. It has been one of those days. Mia, Flannery, any actions? Um, uh, I th- Actually, I think me- it would make sense for Mia to go first with what I want to do. Okay. I want to keep this thing in place so that as soon as the evacuation turn from Linlin is done, we can count on the backup. So I don't want this person to move. So I'm going to save my powers, but I am going to try an overhead strike with my club to try and like put them into the pavement and just hit them hard enough to root them in place. This is a big old caveman bonk. Yep. <laughs> oh, I like that very much. So roll me volume, please, would you please? Uh, that's a six. Perfect. So you succeed in doing a big mash to Arcana 16. Disrupts the humming from within the suit briefly. You deal two damage on a, on an attack, right? Depends on my song. That's really the... Oh. I think this time I am going to go with Violent Song. So yeah, it'll do two extra harm with the song. Okay. Something does happen, though. Something happens the very second that your Kanabo makes contact with Arcana 16. Mm-hmm. The white gold aura of this hymnal flares slightly at the second of impact. And I mean, mechanically speaking, it steals a gain. It steals a gain from me? It has a gain now. You coward. That's mine. Mine now. <laughs> I took it. Well, this still works well with what I want to do, because I was also concerned with trying to keep this thing where it is for now. So I think Flannery just wants to pull the old trick of uh, use the whip sword as a restraining device. Okay. I am also not using power yet, but I'll treat this as, I guess, is it an attack? Yeah, you know what? That sounds to me like a harmony roll, like you're using your noodle, but with an attack. Yeah. (laughs) Flannery using her noodle as best she can. All that we're thinking right now is don't let this thing get anywhere where it can do any more harm, especially since baby's nearby somewhere. Yeah. So she just wants to wrap this sword around the whatever is inside this suit. Yeah. And a harmony roll. Heck yeah, that's a six and a five. Beautiful. As your sword makes contact with it, you can feel a peculiar resonance siphoning the power out of your hymnal. It does steal a gain from you. Hmm. Rude. Not polite. An electric aura starts crackling around it and bursts out of it, dealing one harm to every close opponent. And... As the electricity hits the air, there's a faint shimmer of condemnation. 10% and rising. Mm. Then, now that it has done this, now it does do a big swing to Mia for two. Bring it on. It does so. Cool. (laughs) This massive Zweihander comes down on you. Does Mia have a means of blocking that at all? No. No. Hmm. Mia doesn't block. Mia can't block. Yeah. yeah. I don't block. I'm the one who hits them. <laughs> mm, Alas. True, true, true. I guess, can I try and pull the thing back before it hits her? Do you have any powers that do that? Mm. I do have advance, which can push them into my near range. 
Yeah, you know what? If you use advanced to chuck them into your near range, I would allow this. I think I will do that then. Before the thing can get a sword swing off, Flannery is going to use her patented rocket blade technique, which rather than going around the thing this time, will shoot her blade out towards it and push it away from Mia and past her further away into the parking lot. And Flannery's going to follow after. I am taking a gain from you from that. I'm stealing it. Mm. Because you have touched it. Fair. How much damage does advance do? Two. Okay. Mia is free to do her <laughs> badass deeds. My cruel violence. Yes, I will use a power to do a batter. And basically, like, recoiling from the AoE attack, Mia, like, falls back onto a knee and then rears the club up and then stands back up as Flannery is pushing the Nephilim towards Mia and then just, like, domes it across the face as it's passing by with a batter. Yeah. Which will actually do four harm with my violent song. Yeah, it does. I'm stealing your gain. That's fine. <laughs> you touched it. It's okay. As long as I'm doing more damage than I'm losing gain, that's all that matters. Yeah. And you said you were using batter for that, right? Yep. Well, Cause now I do believe I've done two things. So I do believe it's the party's turn. This thing is sucking out a bunch of our, our energy. We need to be able to hit this thing without like hitting it, you know? Like what can we do? Mia regroups with Flannery. Seems like I'm just a bad fit for this one. Shit. Um, I mean, I know there's one thing I can do, but I need to be a lot further away for that. Young, how's the evacuation? We can use an extra hand. How's it going right now? It's going very good. However, mm-hmm. there's a very large something, and you're not an engineer. You don't know what it is, but you do know that it is groaning with strain and arcing all over with electricity and it is beginning to vibrate threateningly. There is like a living thing doing that? Oh no, it's a piece of equipment. Okay, just checking. I'm telegraphing an explosion. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, good. Okay. Okay, weird question. Does an explosion count as an attack? From me to you? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) What do you have in mind? (laughs) Okay, because I have spinning shield which says prevent an attack against a close character. Okay. (laughs) I like that very much. I like that too much to deny it. So there is a massive explosion that can be heard from outside as something in the power plant goes. You can see it from miles around. You're not miles around. You're quite close. The sound up close is deafening, but... Rest assured, you'd be able to hear it even if you were back on the base. I'm not sure if that's relevant or comforting to you at all. And as the smoke clears, we see the spinning of Dolce Diver and one last civilian hiding behind Linlin as the Guandao stops spinning on air and the dust settles. Um, are you okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think the second the, the dust has settled, the civilian scrambles to their feet and scampers. Good choice. And just going to communicate on the comm over back at Mia. I was like, I'm sorry, did you say something earlier? (laughs) Immediately following the explosion, Mia, trying to parse everything that's happening, turns back to Flannery. How much distance do you need to do what you can? Um, I think if I can, like, get up on top of the building there, I think I can do it from there. 
Fine. And Mia plants the club against the ground. Ready? Ready. All right, Young, we'll need three sets of hands as soon as possible. On my way. And then Mia is going to throw Flannery with the club onto the roof. Yeah, Flannery's just going to go, like, tuck and tumble full up into the air. So here's what happens. I think Flannery tries to move, and a series of lightning bolts fly out of Arcana 16's arms into the ground, surrounding Flannery with a cage of electricity. The Tsurugi type has a move that lets you prevent a target's next movement. Mm. If it has enough gain, which you've graciously given it. So is she just like sonic spinballing against this right now? (laughs) Yeah, no movies. Well, in that case, Flannery's been charging up a bunch of energy for the attack that she was gonna do on the roof, but now that energy's gotta go somewhere. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh, Flannery's all hopped up on sugar. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, instead of the flame lash that she was going to do, uh, I think she's gonna do a Hellraiser and the big flame tornado is gonna flare up from her sword and will deal one harm to a close target and reduce condemnation by 10%. Yeah. And that doesn't make contact. It doesn't. It's just a big explosion, basically, that spins. Oh, that's good. Good. I think with that, Leland's definitely going to dive in towards the Nephilim now, just because, yeah, it looks terrifying. And I think she's going to go at near range so she can attack it from that range. Yeah, you could do that from behind me and Flattery. Wonderful. And then I think with her polearm extends with plasma and she's just going to use this like 12 foot beam spear basically to just try to swipe away at it. So you're making a regular attack? Yeah. Okay. Give me a roll for that, please. And also give me one of your gain, please. Yeah. Does she lose that one gain? Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> That's a three, three, six. Okay. Yeah. Six will do it. You definitely make contact. It doesn't flinch. It doesn't react, but you can see it take the blow. Concerning. (laughs) Yeah. Then I think she's going to go follow up with a daring descent, just because she really wants this thing to be hurt. (laughs) I love daring descent. Wonderful. Yeah, so she's going to bring herself to close range and deal another two, as she's just going to go skyward and just plunge it back down. Your glaive is met by this massive sword, and... The pressure against them is enormous. It sends up sparks as you're bearing down on it from the sky with all your weight. And it is holding fast. First of all, it has stolen a gain from you. Yeah. (laughs) But it has used Defender to prevent an enemy attack. All right. It makes a swing of the sword to knock you back slightly. and kind of rights itself, squares its shoulder, hoists the sword back up. And she'll just stagger back. Okay, is this thing just invincible? What do we do? Now I have a question for Cat. Do you have a question for Cat? Yes. Is this a good time to have a staff ability happen? You are the ones in charge of that, not I. Because I'm kind of curious to see if we could get some information from our intelligence director, possibly. I am very okay with that. <laughs> Info would be good. Because <laughs> <laughs> I would like to know their real target here. It seems pretty ambiguous so far. So, in that case, it would be very wonderful of you to roll a die. Oh, it's a two. Oof. Oof. Okay. 
Well, on a one to two, the intelligence director knows what the enemy is after and grants each player two additional dice to their next roll to prevent the enemy from reaching their objective. Also, how's Baby doing in the meanwhile? I was about to ask. Baby has chosen to watch on the ver- like the lingering feeling of maybe they will need me. What if something bad happens because I'm not there? And so is watching to make sure things go okay. Yeah. Susie's also watching, pokes her head up over the fence. Okay. I think um, anybody's scanners and phones get hijacked as there's like a small BB in like the upper left corner. And then there's a big text that says like, It's trying to play with you. You are the goal. Hmm. Anyone who is acting on this information gets two additional dice. Shit. Wait, so this is like a game to them? Either research, bait, it wants attention. Well, like, what does it want our attention for? What are we not supposed to be paying attention to? Working on it. Well, Mia's gonna start backing away and gestures to the other two to like make a little bit of a gap between us and the Nephilim and Mia's just gonna like walk around the side. Like just good old classic anime standoff, club in hand. Stops about just across from the kids and places the club back down on the ground and just waits. Meanwhile, Leland is just like darting her eyes all around here. He's like, okay, it's after something, it's after something. Sure is. Oh, I think that was the party's turns, huh? I could do some things, but at this point, I don't... Uh, Mia doesn't want to keep doing this. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. I think Flannery's just going to cross her arms like... And just glare at it. <laughs> okay, I think we are going to... Use a power. We're going to deal one harm to every close opponent and crank the condemnation as that electric aura crackles life around it again. Ooh, not good. Yeah. Oh, no, great for me. Um... I suppose our next question is, Linlet, mm-hmm. how do you feel about two damage? That's fine. Flannery. Yeah? In just the blink of an eye, it launches itself forward, brings the sword down, crashing it into Linlin, and uh, carrying on the motion past Linlin to Flannery. Would you also like to take two damage? Uh, no, but I probably can. You can and will. <laughs> I'm just asking to be politer. Yeah. <laughs> no, fair. Uh, that brings me to zero health. I have one gain, so I'll spend one gain. to. Well, actually, Jesus. Wh- uh, what what health are you at, Linlin? One. Okay, well, <laughs> well, I'll spend my one gain to get back up to one health. Hey, baby, you see Flannery get clobbered. <laughs> A shot of them gripping hard at the chain link fence, gritting their teeth as they like turn to look away as the impact happens. God. Linlin takes the hit better than Flannery does. <laughs> but Linlin also takes the hit. Yeah, I think after the hit, you see the flare of flame around her armor as the gain restores some of the integrity of the hymnal unit. <sighs> I think if things get any worse, Baby will move in. 
they definitely recognize this as bad currently. Uh, but it's still in the position where, like, they can, they don't need me. I've, I'd only slow them down. Mia was giving this thing the benefit of the doubt that it was just fucking with us and that it wasn't trying to be genuinely bloodthirsty. Mia picks up that club so fast and just appears like a blur of pink to the left of the Nephilim and uses knock away and is just going to impact this thing into the wall of the adjacent building and then drops the club and follows it along the path, starts pummeling it into the wall and like trying to pin it and basically force it through the concrete of the building and just goes absolutely fucking feral. Do you touch it? Um, as many times as possible until either it's dead or I have no gain. Okay. Let's see. You're just punching, so you're not doing club hurts. But you do do extra damage because of the violence. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I sure do. I think I'm going to steal all your gain, though. Okay. I've got six. Yeah, I have six. How much harm is that? Oh, it's a bunch. Yeah. Mia's also going to make an effort to try and, like, hold it in place while the other two recover. Yeah. She told them that if things get bad, they leave. She doesn't. She's trusting them to follow that instruction as she tries to just pin this thing against the building. Hey, Mia. Mm-hmm. Arcana 16? It's weirdly light. Hollow? It's not like hitting a person. Okay. Okay. If it's as light as it is, hopefully she can keep it in place just through gritted teeth. Mm. It is going to burn a bunch of that gain. You know that ability that activates the electric aura? I called it Poltergeist Sword. It's the Tsurugi Holy Sword ability. Deal one harm to every close opponent and increase condemnation by 10%. Mm. How do you feel about me using that a couple times? Um, That's fine. How does everybody feel about a funeral next episode? Oh. <laughs> We just got back from a ceremony. <laughs> I'm gonna use it twice. So you, how do you feel about taking two? Well, I've got one, so that's great. Oh, so you have, you're, you're at zero and zero now. Oh, I sure am. Uh, Dylan, is death on the table? Of course. You all promised me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so angry. <laughs> Promise you what? I'm, I'm not surprised, but I'm so angry. Let me put it this way. There are some people present who have yet to take their actions. So yep. then Mia's fate is in their hands. Oh, yeah. But she is determined to keep this thing from doing any more harm to the kids. And she will die to accomplish that. Turnstile is deactivated. Its structural integrity is gone. There's no more gain to power a, an emergency repair sequence. I think as the hymnal disappears, Mia like pulls her hands away, which were holding the Nephilim in place, and then throws a right hook against its head and tries to re-grapple it with her bare hands. Yeah, that's not great to do. <laughs> it feels like you imagine punching a hymnal unit would feel. Bad. Not good. Not great. The condemnation is 30% and rising. I think the last thing that Mia says before turnstile vanishes is just retreat. I think at the 
sight of Turnstile getting electrocuted and vanishing, Susie ducks back beneath the fence and gives like a little yelp. Baby is going to jump in. All right. Uh, I think Baby just like starts climbing the fence to half uh, over. Uh, Doesn't fully hop over. I think as they're climbing the fence, they start singing their song so that by the time they're on top of the fence, they have transformed. And uh, I'm going to do my regretful song, which is coincidentally the same song that I played when I left. Aww. Right? Isn't Aww. that fun? It is fun. Right? And I am going to, from the top of the fence, Spider-Man sling myself <laughs> over the building there. And as I'm getting there, can I use my action to evacuate the civilian? You can. Hey, don't call me that. Uh, you're a civilian <laughs> now. Uh, I'll call you whatever. Yeah. <laughs> don't call me the C you know, word. <laughs> <laughs> you're not in a robot suit, so you're a civilian. All right, all right. All yeah. Right, all right. Give me a give me a roll, please. That is a six, a four, four, and a three. Beautiful. Where are you taking Mia? I'm going to uh, do a bunch of stuff at the same time. I would love it if you would. Yes, but the end goal will be towards the end of my movement, which will be over by the tree line. And I will eventually get over there. But as so I'm like, so of the uh, thin, uh, like razor thin cloth um, wrapping around Mia with one arm and then the other arm with two of the gain I just got, I'm going to do razor net. And so with the other hand, I'm just going to sling another bit of the cloth to like wrap around the hymnal. Um, and so, yeah. Uh, its next movement and or attack is prevented. And if, when it does that, it will take damage. And a couple things happen because that does count as touching. Ah, does it? Does it do? Does it really? Did I touch it? <laughs> I mean, I've, I've, any other time someone else has touched somebody with their suit, I've, I've stolen their gain. Yeah, no, that makes sense. But it does. Here's the thing about this thing. It gets be razor netted and immediately... Steps forward and raises its sword. Mm, that's fun. And is decapitated. Oh. Oh. The suit falls to the ground and what looks like pieces of broken prismatic glass just fall out of the neck of it. It's empty. The giant sword clatters to the ground and... As the humming from inside the suit stops, the hymnal itself dissolves. Roar to Heaven stars Aaron Cerise as Flannery, Kendrick as Baby, Jordan as Lin-Lin, and Dylan as Mia. I have been your choir master, Kat. We are playing Blazing Hymn, a game based on the Lumen Engine by Spencer Campbell. Thanks to all our Kickstarter and Itch supporters for making Roar to Heaven possible. This episode was sponsored by Jess Malatesta. Thanks so much for your support.
Yeah, haha, yeah, very fun, very good. <laughs> I don't know why I did that. I'm sorry. I'm Welcome sorry, back Kat. to the child war, baby. <laughs> Welcome back to the child war. Just saw our babysitter go down. <laughs> oh no, not my babysitter. What's mom gonna say once they found out she died? 